my love I'd fallen for you long before You ever said a word to me And now I see I need you more Welcome to the Rumpus Room Hey everybody, we're back kicking it here in the Rumpus Room uh, i got a great show for you today We're going to hit you with a takeaway message Get into some philosophy Talk the Harvey Weinstein debacle and a bit about Amazon's new HQ, and hopefully a bunch of fun in between. So let's hit them with the takeaway message of the day. Before we start, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsor for today's message. So have you walked home tired of your day, constant feedback from your boss, come home to your girlfriend or significant other, wife, husband, whoever, basically telling you what you did wrong, you didn't clean up the, the dishes from yesterday, well, the last thing you need is your underwear telling you how great you did that day. Report card and exactly what happened inside my underwear. So with our new innovative technology, we have figured out a solution. <laughs> I can't tell not a straight basis. Because it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> JustBrownUnderwear.com. Feedback-free just, underwear. JustBrownUnderwear.com. Buy some. Do it. <laughs> No, it with the takeaway message. Takeaway message of the day. Uh, hard to digress off that one. <clears throat> so I've been reading a ton about Stoic philosophy over the last few weeks. Um, I've been in a constant, I think, uh, assessment of my views spiritually, and I think Stoicism has really attracted me lately. I know we've talked a lot about how we've been raised like this. And one of the things that really has stuck with me is the real-time uh, effectiveness that you can use this in your everyday. So Stoicism, I kind of boiled it down into one quote, which obviously I'm not a I'm not a philosopher in this, and so this is just my really short way of looking at it. But I, I always go back to you can really spend each moment wishing that it would be different or just enjoy it, and so. A big part of stoicism is that you can choose how you want to deal with the situation. So you can always have a dissatisfaction and what do you really, it, it really focuses on what do you have control over? So do you have control, do you have control over your emotions? You know, we have all these impulses. Can you control yourself while, the, while you, you're going through those? We all can set goals and whether those are not achievable or not, whether those are in your locus of control or not. And then your values. Those are kind of the few things they talk about. How do you basically set your life to say, these are a few things that I'm going to focus on and everything else outside of it, I can't control. And in order for you to be a happier individual or someone that is constantly striving for success, and I think we'll get into this in our next episodes, is, you know, what can you control right now? So, you know, we talked a little bit of, a few days ago about the struggle with me with work. I've been complaining about uh, the guy I've been working for, what's been going on. And I really had to be like, well, what can you do right now? What can you do to alleviate this pain and this stress? I can sit here and whine about it, or I can throw on my brown undies and do something about it. Well, there's an energy conservation thing that happens when you start to only put your energy towards the things that actually matter mm -hmm. you know it's it's some, one of my huge frustrations with millennials these days it's, it's like 
people bitching about the political climate and it's like i mean what is all of this energy actually going to have on any influence on anything Mm -hmm. it's totally a waste uh, unless they're like legit running for office or something or whatever but and that's such the majority so you know it it really strikes me as um inefficient completely inefficient and one thing One thing that I found interesting is how we talk about, you know, we're the most depressed and anxious culture. It defines anxiety as trying to control things you have no control over. That gives you an extreme amount of anxiety. So, yeah, are we going to tell Donald Trump what the fuck to do? No, we're not. So why are we worrying about things that we probably have zero control over causing ourselves unwanted anxiety? We're worrying about stuff that is outside of our control which I think really is a easy way to get out of doing things that we that are in our control. Yes. Like it's manage your own finances. Bait and switch. It's the 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 uh, tried and true way of having to not take responsibility and deal with what yeah. you actually have to. Mm-hmm. So it's really kind of a wake wake up call that I've given you know that I've had and I I go through these kind of phases where. I think I get super productive and into certain phases and then I start to coast a little bit and then I get jammed right back in. And I think a lot of that is pain and I go through an an intense amount of pain and frustration and really deal with something. Then I make a decision and just go and just walk with it. And I think the last few months have been way more productive, just adopting this mindset of like, okay, so what can I change right now? then let's go change it and just do that mm-hmm. instead of, well, I don't know what people are going to think about it. And there's like a million different things that I can be worried about. And the last thing I need to be worried about is, you know, all my haters on Facebook or haters yeah. on Instagram, what they're going to think. Or the people behind your back who are try who are waiting to try and like catch you slipping up. I mean, exactly. that's, and, and as you were talking, it made me think a lot about, uh, Eastern philosophy, particularly Buddhism, because there's kind of a similar type of vein of like radical acceptance. Mm -hmm. They don't necessarily focus as much on the like do something about it. They really focus on like just be in the moment and realize that it's a total gift. And for me, that was really a pivotal thought at a time in my life where I was so concerned with like changing everything about who I was and what I was doing and what I was worth and whatever. And so that really struck me as big. And and I I think this, that stoicism is like a more accessible and actionable form of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's something that you can think about each day Mm -hmm. and make a decision um, and decide to live. So I've always struggled with the balance of meditating and being with my thoughts and alone and then also being in the social world and you know interacting with humans and making a difference and you know what that balances I definitely have not figured out in my viewpoint is I need way more of the meditative stuff right now but I do think it's it's interesting to compare the two viewpoints and kind of balance out interacting in society causing myself all this stress and meditating and not being with myself. Yeah, there's uh, there's one of my um, one of these kids that I kind of mentor who 
used to talk, he used to really romanticize the monk lifestyle, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to screw this world and I'm going to go find nirvana and I'm going to go to an ashram and I'm going to just meditate for the rest of my life and I'm just going to shed this body and leave it all behind. At the same time, he was dealing with like immense jealousy with his girlfriend and like a lot of really immature things. And there's a lot of stories about people who make these huge leaps to try and get out of their situation or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and really kind of crash and burn because the shock from being in a social environment you know, your entire life. It's a little different when a kid grows up and he spends five hours of his day meditating <laughs> and he spends, you know, two to three hours, like actually socially engaged with people. Mm -hmm. It's a little easier to envision him climbing a mountain and sitting and meditating for 30 days or 30 nights or whatever than it is somebody who's been around people for 90% of their waking hours. Yeah. I mean, that's such a huge change that I don't think that's healthy for the, for the body. And I always, I was kind of like, you know, tempered him. Like, I don't know if like, that's just going to be the answer to all of your problems, dude. Mm -hmm. And that really is what I want to talk about next, which is the, everybody knows the philosophy or the, the cliche desperate times call for desperate measures. And I am feeling like I'm somewhat in a, de in a desperate time. I'm feeling the heat from my full-time job as well. And I have all these other really cool projects. And I kind of just want to be like, you know, screw all this. I want to go work on my own projects. And I was talking with a mentor and he was like, you know, really, you just got to keep working there. You need the cash flow. You can't go off and be desperate for you know, and just not have that cash flow. It's mm -hmm. just not the way to do it. I've been on both sides. There's nothing worse than having a project that you absolutely have to have happen because you have nothing else that, you know, is, is going to be, is going to be able to sustain you. Put, put stuff on the table. Yeah. Put on the table. And people kind of romanticize about the idea of like desperate times call for desperate measures. Like it's something to be celebrated. But what you happen, what happens is in desperate times, you act out of desperation. So mm -hmm. you get measures that are predicated on desperation as opposed to measures that are predicated on like confidence and, you know, capability and opportunity, which is total, which is totally a different place to make decision making from. It is. And, and so I've been like, that was just really calmed myself down because I was like, you know, I don't need to look at my situation like it's desperate because it's not, it's currently not desperate. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't need to make a decision, a rash decision, which would be the equivalent of, you know, going onto the mountaintop or whatever it is. You know, I'm trying to cut a super big tree down and I just got to keep swinging the ax. I feel Maybe like. Maybe you're going to move over to the other side of the tree. Maybe I move to the other side of the tree. Maybe I start cutting from the bottom, cut from the side. But I'm not looking, I'm not going to go to the market and look for a new axe because I've been told that there's a new axe out there that can do everything for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like work with the tools at your disposal. 
Exactly. Maybe you sharpen the axe. Maybe like Abe Lincoln tells axe. you to do. You step back. Step back. Sharpen that bad boy up and take a couple more whacks. Wax at the cherry tree. You know? Bring it on down. Good old AB over there. There's a lot you can learn from cutting a tree down with an axe. Mm-hmm. There's a lot you can Patience. See. Yep. You look really cool if you take you your shirt off. Extremely too. cool. Take your shirt off and you'll have cars <laughs> yeah. crashing into each other as they yeah. drive by. Planes. <laughs> There's a guy cutting a tree with it without a shirt on. Oh no. Bam. <laughs> yeah. The vortex starts swirling. You oh, get this back nice to our breeze. vortex. Get back to our vortex concept. Going. Oh yeah. That never fails. Yeah, it's a good thing. So anyway, yeah, kind of I wanted to piggyback on the the, uh, the philosophy of the day, which is try not to act out of desperation. You know, I think that's a really great, great thing. I've seen that replay itself in my work as well. So I would encourage everybody not to go down that route. I think that's a good, good work. And do we want to transition into our uh, speaking of me desperation too debate? Me too debate. So right now, I'm sure everybody is aware of the Hollywood allegations of sexual misconduct and sexual harassment. And I've read some of these stories and they are ridiculous and absurd. I feel obviously emotional over this thing. I get really frustrated. Having a girlfriend makes it worse because I picture her in these situations having to make decisions speaking of the stories do you have any short ones because i only know one story and i heard it and i was just like oh that's really bad basically it's like the casting couch of like hey i'm a producer for this show i want to interview you for a role come up to my hotel room and so you know the young actress usually 19 or 20 not they have no they have no success yet and he says all right start to massage me and then he takes his shirt off and it gets more aggressive. And his behavior, it seems like, I don't know how many have come for, 20 to 30 for this specific guy, Harvey. And it's it's terrible. And it's funny because one or two or I think eight came out originally and now they just have lobbed on. And I really respect the women in the, the New York Times for doing this story because I think it is something that is super important. And I have seen men use this power to their advantage. You can see men in the workplace using the sexual, using their power in uh, taking advantage of people. And in Hollywood, I can't even imagine. To be fair, women use sexuality as well. Oh, I think everybody does. Yeah, yeah. I think it goes both ways. And I think, you know, this we're we're going back to our concept of balance. Mm -hmm. There's this, the scales are tipped on the sexual side. And so we need to come back and get away from, you know, women using sexuality and flirting. You know, that doesn't help. And I know that's a factor. I can see it happen. I see it happen every single day, Mm -hmm. which, you know, there's there's definitely everybody needs to take a little bit of blame in the game. And I know that there's no room. And I will say this as many times as I can. There's no room for this behavior from the men to to jump on people and do all the crazy things that they think they can do. That is completely unacceptable and they should be punished. Their actions should be punished. It is unacceptable. One story that I heard was uh, by a female actress. I can't remember what her name was. Um, They were on a boat party at the Cannes Film Festival. And uh, she was got kind of drunk and she fell asleep 
I believe, fell asleep in a in a um, in like one of the rooms, and when when she woke up, can't remember if her blouse was undone or something like that, and Harvey was masturbating to her as she was laying there sleeping. Yeah, and she woke up, and then she told her colleagues about it, and they all were like, "Oh, that's Harvey!" Ha ha ha! Like, kind of making a joke out of it, and I yeah. was like, "Wow, that's a level of ingrained dysfunction that is really sad." Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely agree. It sounds like there's a lot of people. There's a there's a lot of flack given to a lot of people about the cover up because it takes. A village to cover this up you know it, yeah. it seems like the behavior was pretty rampant so i think the blame goes to a lot more people than just harvey i think there's a lot of people involved and i hope this gets everybody to think about how they treat the opposite sex at work and that this is a good lesson for all of us to th- consider you know, the sexuality thing, I think, is kind of like a waterfall. And once you start going down this river, there's kind of a point which you may not be able to stop um, to get out of the river. Well, I think it's just it's really reflective of how sad a man he is. Oh, completely agree. For an individual to use those to feel compelled to use the position that he was in for whatever reason for those exploits um you know it, it it just it it just very much proves that there are very sad people in the world because they're i i don't know that one could feel like a really deep sense of accomplishment and self-love and compassion while like Engaging coaxing yeah coaxing a young woman who's got sort of no choices in the matter I mean, it's, 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 it's really, it's really sad ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, It just, it's terrible. And it's, it sucks that we have to talk about these type of things that this behavior actually occurs in the world. Uh, but it does. And I'm sure it happens a lot more than we're all, we all like to admit. Well, I mean, and also we've made quite a, quite a lot of advancements in terms of respecting women and things like that you know you look back to the dark ages where if you took over a town you would just rape all of the women and like take them you know so it's it's always it's always an evolution of like human behavior towards hopefully becoming more sustainable and like more equitable and more respectful and this is just very much a marker for everybody that like, yeah, you idiots, we're, we're obviously here. not there. We're still we're here. We're still fucking insecure human beings who kind of suck at treating each other well. Like, mm-hmm. and that, that's the other thing, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm not surprised. Also, like, I'm not surprised that robin williams committed suicide and uh, one of my close friends was like you know he was the happiest man blah 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 i never would have thought that and i was kind of like well it's really just a huge reminder that even though an individual could bring that much joy and love and warmth into the world that they still could be very devoid of that themselves well i heard an interesting quote about comedy today it was comedy is a way to view pain 
and to let go of pain. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so there's still a ton of pain behind it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the whole, there's a huge stereotype that comics are depressed, the most depressed people in the world. I don't think it's a stereotype. I think, I think it's <laughs> damn true. Yeah. Listen to their comedy and feel how cutting they can get. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. digs deep, but you know, that whole Robin Williams thing doesn't surprise me. You listen to some of the comedians, what they say. If you watch their stand-up when they're just... It, it really gets telling when they go off on a whim and they really launch into something. You can kind of feel like, a, oh, whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and that's uh, one of the things I see very much in Daniel Tosh because Daniel Tosh, to me, really just crushes the boundaries of like what is socially or, you know... Um, like politically correct. Yeah. He, you know, just challenges racism and sexism and all of the things that a white man should be off limits for. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's gotten a lot of flack for it. He also has developed an entire career out of it. Mm-hmm. But um, he's another guy who I look at who uh, I just, uh, there's just a sadness. I think that he really is. I don't know about covering up, but he uses that sadness as a huge component of his comedy, which is why I think he's quite good because he's, he's figured out a way to harness it. And he, his harnessing his sadness is basically like being arrogant. You know, (laughs) a lot of his jokes are kind of just denigrating. Exactly. And, and a lot of people have been extremely offended by it and they very well have every reason to be because it is offensive and it's it's also um it's also an act it's also a gimmick and he probably like i don't i i don't know this but if he had any shred of empathy he would hurt at the end of the day and and is that hurt not enough pain that you need to pile on him as well and tell him that he's wrong because like he not you know? and there's an honesty in comedy that i think is pretty real and i think that's why people like it just because there's a really sheer honesty with a lot of things people say and that's why things are funny like jokes are funny because they cut to like really what's going on a lot of times yeah there's a interesting anecdote about how george carlin got banned from tv i believe it's because there were seven words that you couldn't say on TV. And his comedy routine was basically just to talk about why you couldn't say those words and then say the words. And it was enti- his entire routine. And he that was one of the reasons he got famous. Yeah, he just hit at exactly what you weren't supposed to do. Yeah. And did it. Pushing boundaries. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that's change and that's evolution. So, mm-hmm. so um other big thing in the news is this Amazon HQ and everybody's doing bids for it, right? You know, bring Amazon here, this and that. And we found out that we share a similar view, which is we're not necessarily excited about Amazon coming. No, if man, we were to be away. selected yet, yeah, go, go to Kansas City. Yeah. Get out you of know, here. you mean Amazon City. They'll change the name. <laughs> there's some there's some places that are going to change their name. Talk about dropping your drawers. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> if there's one thing that's hot, desperation. You know, like yeah. obviously that's not going to work. But yeah, so uh, you know, Gary, Indiana's got to be my favorite. Oh yeah. The, though I I can't even imagine. I'm, the sad part is how I imagine the Amazon execs treat the Gary Indiana proposal, which is like, you know, not 
kindly, but I, I can't. I really? Really? If I had to guess. If I had to venture a guess, I would guess that they wouldn't be extremely kind to those cities that are just not even on the absolute radar. I'd love to just be in the meetings and listen to these pitches from these oh. people. It would be like puking. Some of it would be hard to keep a straight face for. I would I mean. laugh, I bet you, a lot of the times. Because, you know, Dallas is like, we're going to build you a a city we're gonna build you a connection into the that's fine wherever you want it da, da, da. so how about the negative first of all let's out let's lay out the positive benefits of having amazon in your city it's an immediate workforce i mean they, increase in your workforce you'll have a more globalized city because it'll you'll probably bring in a lot of diverse talent tech startups and there's always the businesses that come with Amazon that are like trying to get at Amazon. Yep. So you have like yeah, the, the firms ecosystem. That are, yep. mm-hmm. It's not just them, it's everything else that comes with them, the consultants, all that stuff. Yep. Then you have the increase in tax revenue. You have mm-hmm. the increase in consumption. So you you know, you have all these businesses people coming in going with money. Up. Essentially what you have is water. You know, a city has like a water level where like there's some sort of a balance in terms of you know, people spend this amount of money. Inflation's this way. Blah Not blah blah. Minnesota, but yeah, yeah. But uh, Amazon will come in and literally demolish that balance, and prices will skyrocket. Property values will skyrocket. Schools will be more com- competitive. Everything will be more high pressure for everybody in the situation. Like if you had any sort of culture or a small town feel to the city i think that's at risk i i think it takes away from the true nature of the city i think what what makes our city great is not we already have a ton of these fortune 500 businesses here why do we need to add one more that is the biggest bully of all of them it's like bringing in and i just imagine the workforce that shows up I am not really excited to to hang out with those people. I've heard pretty terrible things. A friend of mine just moved to Seattle because his fiance, funny enough, got a job at Amazon. He's working at Starbucks, and he said they cannot afford between two. He's got his MBA. Between two people, can really not afford a decent apartment to buy in a house. He said a house is ridiculous because. The, they have Expedia, they have Amazon, and they've got Microsoft, Boeing, Microsoft, Boeing, Starbucks. He said the prices are ridiculously high. And he said, so he's like, I'm not going to raise my family here. We're moving. So his thing is like, I'm out of here. This place sucks. Like, yeah, they pay us a lot of money, but the the benefits aren't really outweighing it. And what they're doing now is starting to have you know county like taxes in the city that are coming at you at different ways. Mm -hmm. So they're going to get your money no matter what. Like it's, it's not like they're going to provide all these tax breaks. It's coming back somehow. Mm -hmm. Which is why I think that if Amazon comes into a city, uh, maybe like Detroit would be the ideal place because it's a city that's, you know, really faltering or something. There's a big gap in what it was and what it could be. Yeah. But if you have any sort of like symbiotic, current status of your city where it doesn't just totally suck amazon's probably not going to be a good thing for you like chicago it might be a good thing because they're totally in debt 
And they're huge. And they need the, the revenue. But I don't know, as a person who doesn't work in that industry, it, I know it would not benefit. It would inhibit my purchasing power, my freedom, um, you know, and those are two things that are extremely important to me. Yeah, I completely agree. It would impact us extremely negatively, and I, I think the city would change for the worse. And I actually think Minneapolis is probably one of their top choices because we have everything they have want. everything they want and a workforce that's. And, agile a great school big school a couple big schools mm -hmm. we work hard the only thing to minneapolis's and st paul's big discredit is the passive aggressive nature of minnesotans yeah. it makes it doing business hard there's no way around it yep i i've we work hard and we work hard not to work hard we we work extremely not hard have conflict and then we work extremely hard to avoid conflict. Yeah. And that is, is oftentimes not the most conducive way to run a business. No, it definitely is not. I think we've had to work against the, the Twin Cities culture. And very actively, you know, mm -hmm. every day working, working against it. I, just today, I was in a meeting where there was a superior who... Uh, we had this strategy going into it, and then there was a superior who we, we even had a meeting the day before to solidify that this is the strategy. We had this ranking senior person basically blow the whole thing up mm -hmm. and kind of send everything off in a new direction, and every single person on the call stopped and didn't say a single thing. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, though, you know, it's like, what are we going to say? He's just going to poo-poo it. Exactly, yeah. So when the harder you fight, the more it gets the more it's ingrained in Exactly. So it's almost like just let him have his day or whatever. Well, but, a lot of those times what I like to do is you just sit there and ask him a ton of questions about his thing and let him stumble. We had a half hour, so I didn't want to. I didn't even <laughs> yeah. want to acknowledge the fact that it existed. Yeah, okay. But, well, uh, it, you know, that... That culture is, does make doing business challenging. Mm -hmm. And now, speaking of doing business, I want to give a shout out to our Silicon Valley listeners. What's uh, up? Uh, what's up, everybody? Yeah, how's it going? Hopefully, you guys are learning from all of these wonderful uh, philosophical <laughs> talks <laughs> and business adages. I don't know this room where yeah, the <laughs> you know we're throwing a shotgun shell of information at everybody. How to be an outside dog. We're just going to constantly push that. And, you know, we are going to constantly evolve, uh, I think, personally. And the podcast will. So we appreciate everybody kind of paying attention and staying along for it. Yep. And if you want to supplement our uh, questions from Chris um, segment, please feel free to email us at therumpusroompodcast at gmail.com. And if that bounces back. Just try rumpusroompodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's not joking. Yeah. That's, a, that that's my sales right ploy now. right there. The answer right now. Justbrownunderwear at gmail.com. Well, yeah, that's for the brown underwear, but this is a podcast. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well... We 
appreciate having y'all here. Yeah, that's all we got for you tonight. But we will be back oh here next week, love. kicking it in the rumpus room. I'd fallen for you Bye. long before. You ever said a word to me, and now I see I need you more. Oh my love, when I had you in my hands to hold, you looked when inside my heart. Down my spine and left a hole So I'm